This is the Tour de Cosse, a series for Explore, the beautiful game on two wheels, supported by the cycling podcast title sponsors, Super Sapiens. Find out more at supersapiens.com. The Fine Fair Scottish League Premier Division, Falkirk nil, Aberdeen 3. Scottish League Division 1, Clyde 1, Edrionians nil. The bottom 2, Montrose. What is that up there? A Monroe line. You join us in Fruki, pondering where to go for our post ride refreshments. It looks nice bathed in the sunlight, though, doesn't it? Wow. You could see um, lovely views back over Edinburgh from up there. I wonder if we're going over there tomorrow. We might well be. What, straight away? Well, it's quite close, isn't it? That big lump of land. <laughs> Yeah. Unless you want to do a detour before you get to it. Well, let's do a detour to the Albert Tavern right now. Oh, it sounds great, the Albert Tavern. Um, I think that's the cricket club over there. But more importantly, how are the legs? Um, yeah, I had a little lie down there. Um, not too bad, not too bad. It's a bit of a... It was an unusual day, wasn't it? We, we, I felt like I made every single rookie mistake in the book. I didn't eat enough. I mean, I went from 8.30 where I had a, a croissant with a tablespoon of jam until 3.30 without eating anything solid. And I only had one bottle because I left the other one in the broom wagon. And I ran out of, basically ran out of energy on the run-in. You were riding the battleship as well. You don't forget that. I was riding the battleship, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remind myself that. The, that is a heavier bike, and it was unnecessary in the end because, actually, it didn't rain at all. I could have been on my lovely lightweight canyon, whizzing along. Uh, but I suppose, yeah, look on the positive side. Nice lightweight bike tomorrow. Like a bit of altitude training what they do yeah these explorers that's what they do isn't it they go up come down a bit go up to sort of adjust to the i I feel like we've invented a new genre of cycling really the sort of softies bike packing (laughs) i mean we're not quite we're not fast enough to be pro cyclists to actually warrant a supporting vehicle and we're not tough enough to carry our own luggage It's a genre, though. It's a new one. It is a genre, yeah. Um, well, it needs a name, though, doesn't it? I might leave that to the listeners. What should it be called? Um, softy cycling or something. Although I thought I thought we were clipping along a bit this afternoon on that road to Methil. The when I was, I thought if I rode a bit faster, I might get something to eat quicker. I was like some kind of, yeah. I was like some kind of hamster in an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> And then frantically, when we did manage to stop briefly, frantically pouring iron brew into your into your bidon. It's funny what you crave, isn't it, when you've not had anything. And oh no, I'm, this is not a, not a. I genuinely mean this. I, I genuinely think if I'd had a second bottle of beta fuel and something solid to eat, I would have been absolutely fine. It just 
maybe it's, it's almost psychological now maybe I don't know you know I, I, I knew I'd made mistakes as we rolled out of Edinburgh you had a flapjack I didn't have a flapjack why didn't I say yes to a flapjack that was just that was just silly yeah a bit out of practice aren't we about what you what, I remember what you did so well last time you you were constantly fueling and that was that was a, a message from Lizzie Banks as well wasn't it on when we took a bit of advice on how to do soft adventure cycling <laughs> I, I knew it would be Lizzie's fault somehow <laughs> tomorrow actually quite a short ride shorter than today and we can't even find the Albert Tavern it's not 19 minutes away is it what is no well, I, mean. I thought it was literally round the corner 100 metres away from the hotel well, this is two Albert Taverns in... Where's... I mean, on our own, we absolutely use this. It's 270 metres away. Really? There must be two Albert Taverns. No, there's only one Albert Tavern. We've walked in the wrong direction. Basically. How have we managed that? We're going in the wrong direction. <laughs> it's that way. It's down the high street that way, there's don't worry. definitely two Albert Taverns then. That says the Albert Tavern, doesn't it? It it's does. In a different town. Extraordinary. Tell me about the cricket team here. Well, I'm hoping that somebody in the Albert Tavern might know a bit about the cricket team. We had a little hint from Alan earlier, didn't we, about the cricket team? I've actually, we can hear from Alan about the fruky cricket team now. Right. Uh, so, so what do I do once it's been recorded? Is, where, where does it go? Am I? Well, you. you be that is a good question. You should be able to just see it in Zoom and then download the file and then send it to me on... This is Alan Patullo, sports writer for the Scotsman newspaper. The, the, the cricket team from the, the small small town or large village, how do you say the name? Is it Fruiki? Yes, it's Fruiki. 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 Yeah, it's not. I know somebody says it swears, it sounds like, like a swear word. Get a whack of Fruiki <laughs> with you. That was, that was always the kind of... Back in the eighties, when um, yeah, Fruki became had their moment in the sun. I think I read somewhere that that was people used to think it was a swear word rather than an actual name of a place. But yeah, Fruki, Fruki and Fife. When I made a joke about um, Scotland and cricket in the podcast, people got in touch and said, "Oh no, there's a real tradition for cricket uh, north of the border." Which, must admit, I hadn't appreciated at all. Mm. No, no, there, there definitely is. There definitely is. So, so watch, watch what you say up here. Lionel, because uh, yeah, people are quite sensitive about that. Um, no, I mean, I, I know from personal experience that cricket has a great part to play in Scottish culture. My, my, my father was a, was a huge cricket player, played for um, our local village called Meagle. And um, funny enough, Meagle and Fruki had a great rivalry in the, in, the, in the 80s. They were the two probably the best village teams in, in uh, well, certainly in eastern Scotland at the time. So I used to go along and watch you know, freaky, meagle freaky games quite often. My dad was playing and, and uh, my, my dad still talks about playing cricket on a place called the Inch at Perth, which is a cricket ground there. And, and there were several thousand people watching. And it was, it was a huge, huge interest, a huge following. And um, admittedly, that, I think that's died away slightly in the, in the recent, in recent times. There used to be a good cricket team at Brecon, Arbroath, and a place like that. I'm not sure they, they, they exist or at least exist to the same standard anymore. But um, 
Miguel, certainly my, my dad's old team, they've just, got, they've just got into the top flight of Scottish cricket for the first time and they're actually preparing to play their first match, first home match this weekend, which is a, 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 a cause of great excitement back in my, my home, home area. So there is, there is definitely, there's definitely a, a you know, great tradition of cricket in, in, in Scotland. And Fruki, the story of Fruki was um, when they entered the, the village cup, the national village cup in the 1985, I think it was, and they managed to, this unlikely team of, um, you know, whatever they were, people drawn from, I don't know, farmers, steel workers, et cetera, managed to make it to the final, which was played at Lords, and they played against a Surrey, a Surrey team from Surrey, and obviously with the great, great outsiders, the great underdogs, and went down to, to play this, this match at Lords. And, um, you know, lived up to the stereotype slightly. I mean, I was looking back at all these photographs of the cricket team in their cricket, cricket, white cricket shirts and, and kilts. And obviously these photographers were asking them to, to, to get dressed up in kilts to sort of play up to this, uh, this, this unlikely story of a Scottish cricket team playing at, playing at, uh, at Lords. So I, don't, I, don't I don't think they wore kilts in the game itself, but um, it was a... It was a great story, and as you can imagine, I, I was reading. I think there has there is a film, a film due to come out about it in the style of kind of Billy Elliot film or, or a local hero, and that kind of just a, you know, you know, building up this this this, this sort of this sort of couthy, rather couthy story of a of a Scottish cricket team making it all all the way to to Lords, and they, they got they got piped in, and they got piped in through the gates at Lords. So they really they did make it. It was a very, a very you know great, great occasion, and uh, and they won, they won, they beat this team from Surrey, and uh, um, got you know given this lovely, great, ornate trophy, and took it back to to Fruki. And uh, yeah, it's a tale I think you'll enjoy finding out more about. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there will be plenty of people still around in Fruki that will be able to give you chapter chapter and verse. Although I was slightly disturbed when I was looking back, and in my mind's eye, I remember the captain of the of the team, a chap called David Christie, um, who I think was called, his nickname was Dad, actually, and on account of his, um, his great barnet of great head of grey hair he had at the time. And um, in my eyes, back in the 80s, he, he looked like he must have been in his 60s or something. I was just looking back and I noticed he was aged 48 at the time, and uh, which is the age I am now, and I was thinking, my goodness. <laughs> he, 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 he possibly wasn't as old as I thought, but still, it was pretty good going playing at Lords, captaining a, captaining a Scottish village team to victory at Lords at the age of 48. So, um, you know, I'm sure there, there'll, there'll still be people around who, who will be able to, to fill you in on that, on that, on that occasion. And they, they, are, they are still playing cricket, I believe. Fruki, Fruki Cricket Club are still, are, are still going. So maybe if you're lucky, you might catch them on a lovely summer's evening in June. You might hear the, the, the sound of leather on willow from your, from your uh, bed and breakfast. We didn't ride in June, of course. It was late September by the time we arrived in Fruki, and the cricket season was almost over. The outfield was again looking lush, green and grassy. The Tour de Course is sponsored by Super Sapiens. The system of continuous glucose monitoring is helping keep Lionel in his performance zone as he tackles the beautiful game on two wheels. Use Super Sapiens to unlock your potential and fine-tune your fueling strategy for better results. Find out more at supersapiens.com. Well, there we go, Simon. Whiskey tasting night in the Albert Tavern. We didn't taste any whiskey, but it was absolutely rammed in there. 
they were at, they were a great time, weren't they? But that is, as you commented, that is quite early for whiskey, isn't it? Quarter to seven in the evening and whiskey. That's no, no. I, I, I think that's a that's a difference, isn't it? Because here it's kind of woven into the fabric of the the culture. And it's, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to carry on drinking whiskey until closing time. Well, I asked the question to one of the locals in the pub. Is it basically, essentially, is it like a book club? You know, you, you have a little taste of it. Do you discuss it? And, and he was like, not really. No, you just <laughs> drink it. <laughs> um, we found out that we are probably going to have to go over that big lump of land in the morning on our way from here to ah oh, and again the the names of towns and the locals don't even call them the name of the town so they it marks you out immediately as a, a non-local Ochtamurti mm. which I'm, I've butchered again is called just Murti is that right? yeah you'd, only the last bit but you need a bit of a I know a bit of a oh, I can't yeah I can't do that without without spitting all over people <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was a friendly beagle dog in there looking for snacks friendly beagle looking for snacks yeah it's probably not eaten for seven hours (laughs) and uh, it's realised it's got its fueling strategy wrong and it needs to get home for some dinner which is what we need to do we need to go back to our hotel the Lomond Hills Hotel one other thing that Guy mentioned when we were cycling which I've looked up and read a bit more about. We came past Levin, and then there's Loch Levin, which we've sort of passed, but maybe 10 kilometres, within 10 kilometres of. It's a, it's a lake, a loch, obviously, and it's got a, an island in the middle, and that is where Mary, Queen of Scots, was imprisoned for, I think, two years before she was then taken down to England to be executed. I mean... Wow. I'm, my history of uh, British kings and queens is is um, not as good as it should be probably but that's uh, why why did they get why did they execute her they were quite mean in the 1500s weren't they it, was that when it was yes <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> oh dear <laughs> This is not the history podcast, though, is it? So we, we, can, we can put in a voiceover here where we clarify all the facts. But they decided that Mary, Queen of Scots, shouldn't be the, the monarch, and they wanted Mary, Queen of Scots' one-year-old baby to be the monarch. Oh. When I think about... I mean, among, <laughs> among the worst people to be monarchs, I think, are babies. Yeah, and I think about how capable I was as a one-year-old. <laughs> and also a 45-year-old. Refreshed, ready to go? I think I am, you know. I think we're in the rhythm now. I certainly feel quite well uh, fuelled this morning after my full Scottish breakfast. It was lovely. Nice sausage, black pudding, haggis, no, scrambled eggs potato scone and I saw that thing that shouldn't be there as well didn't I the roasted tomato that you, you've got some kind of phobia about roasted tomatoes haven't you I, I just it's funny what you learn about people on trips like this isn't it <laughs> <laughs> 
but we've loaded up the route for stage 11 um, off to Dundee this afternoon via Perth which is the home of St Johnston Football Club 75 kilometres the shortest stage of this second half of the Tour de Cosse should, should just be a nice gentle ride really and um, I'm on my good bike now I've got the Canyon Endurace out this is the bike that Richard recommended I buy lovely isn't it yeah and it actually arrived at my house during the first part of the tour de Cosse, if you remember that's right and yeah. um, i decided to bring it with me hopefully well it's going to be quicker over the ground than the the winter condor nothing against the condor it's a fantastic bike but it is a bit heavy and i felt it put me at a disadvantage yesterday <laughs> you're a bit upset with yourself aren't you I realised that it wasn't raining and it, there was no real need for the mud guards and I'd been over-cautious and I'd overdressed as well. I'd put on my waterproof trousers, quickly took those off when we got into Edinburgh. Like I say, it was all, yeah, it was all at sea, really. I needed, to, I needed to have a calm word with myself and just say, look, it's, you're just going cycling. Just pull yourself <laughs> together. I have to say, Simon, you're looking resplendent in the new cycling podcast map jersey. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Breakfast is start putting some strain on the zip, but uh. <laughs> well, we'll work that off in the first hour of cycling, won't we? Let's try and get to St Johnston, home. Well, it's in Perth, isn't it? McDermott Stadium, McDermott Park, and um, yeah, we'll we'll just ride straight there. I think and straight forty kilometres this morning. Try and find a coffee in Perth somewhere. It's bound to be somewhere nice to stop for a coffee. Uh, let's roll out and see what the countryside's got in store for us. Pretty rural roads, I think, fingers crossed. So it should be a beautiful ride. Certainly couldn't have asked for better weather. The sun's sort of beaming through the clouds there. There are a few clouds in the sky, but they're all pearly white clouds, aren't they? None of the grey clouds of yesterday. Lovely September, late September morning in Scotland. And I've always... We're finishing in Dundee, and it's somewhere I've very very keen to see it's one of one of the ones i've been looking for one of the twos i've been looking forward to well the great thing about dundee and we'll come to this later is that dundee and dundee united the two big rivals in the city their stadiums are in the same street basically you can see one from the other they're just a matter of meters apart it seems bonkers really that two clubs would um, have their homes so close to each other in this era of kind of shared grounds all over Europe, big clubs sharing grounds. But they, they, no, I'm glad they're sticking with the, you know, they've drawn a line down the middle of Tannadice Street and Dundee stay in Dens Park and Dundee United stay in Tannadice and I hope it stays that way forever. But we'll get up to Dundee this afternoon. Before that, let's roll on to Perth. Do it. I was thinking about Sean Connery, Simon. James Bond, 007. Very much the Eddie Merckx of James Bonds, I think. Sean Connery, the, the original, the, the best, the undisputed. But I'm struggling with some of the other James Bonds. As I said, not an aficionado, so I had to do a bit of Googling. Uh, Roger Moore. Who would Roger Moore be? I think there's a physical resemblance between Roger Moore and Bernard Tappy, the old boss of the Lavi Clare team, the, the man that bankrolled... Bernardino and Greg LeMond's team in the mid-80s and famously, I think, made LeMond the uh, first million-dollar cyclist. Gave him a huge salary 
Um, Tappy, of course, was a flamboyant, flamboyant businessman. Um, well, flamboyant in many ways because he ended up, I think, in prison at one stage. Um, but there's a physical resemblance because they've both got the kind of the, the, the birthmark mole on the cheek below the eye, Roger Moore and Bernard Tappy. So not a rider, but Roger Moore. Who would be George Lazenby, the one-time Bond? Only in one Bond film. It's got to be somebody... What was the reason he was only one? Because he wasn't very good. Well, it's very difficult to back up as Bond, isn't it? When, being Bond the first time, fine. But, you know, your second Bond, difficult. A bit like the Tour de France. I don't know, sort of a Lucien Imar figure. Just won it the once, and that was it. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. I, I mean, I don't know, my Bond knowledge is being stretched so thin here. Maybe the listeners can suggest James Bond slash cycling crossovers. We're not sort of Bond characters ourselves, are we? Sort of emerging from the sea, torso out. Um, that's, maybe that's something to do with why we don't have any affinity with a, a character that's quite dominant and cool and confident with the ladies knows what he likes to drink yeah decisive Mm. I guess I mean original Bond is very much of an era I think we've moved past that all that kind of stuff maybe that's why I found it uncomfortable to watch I found it all a bit dare I say it a bit sleazy (laughs) I'm going to be upsetting Bond fans here aren't I Uh, but no I'm I'm, I'm, with a big cardigan on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the big knitted cardigan on. Doctor Who didn't wear a big knitted cardigan. He had a long knitted scarf. Goodness me! No, uh, no, I, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm definitely not emerging from the sea, you know, in speedos anytime soon for anyone. That's for sure. Uh, Bond characters. I don't know. Would I? Be, I'd probably be the the white cat. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. See that? Just sitting on on somebody's lap, sitting on a, an e, a Bond villain's lap, pretending it's nothing to do with me. <laughs> We've been tracked down by another of our dot watchers. Who are you and where are you from? I'm Peter Bevan and I live in Perth. How long have you lived in Perth? Uh, 25, 26 years. Big St Johnston fan? Never been here in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I gather... The club is called St Johnston because St Johnstown was an old name for Perth. Yep, apparently, yep. What else do I need to know about Perth? Well, I've put you on the spot there. You? you mentioned uh, Eve Muirhead, obviously began her curling yep. career here in Perth, the British Winter Olympic gold medalist. Um, I mean, what brought you to Perth 25 years ago? Um... Uh, working at Dundee University for 25, 26 years and um, uh, originally we moved here to build an aeroplane actually. Built a, built a kit plane and flew out of Perth for uh, 10 years or so. Wow, uh, so there's an airfield here in Perth? Yeah, there's is a there? little airfield at Schoon, we won't be going past it but uh, yeah, just north of Perth there's a, a lovely little old airfield. And you bought, a, what's a kit plane? I mean, I'm imagining a sort of bigger version of like a Meccano plane that you put together and then you can fly in as a passenger as a as a pilot in yeah it's pretty much it's just um a large airfix kit that just is just big enough for two seats it had a little rotax two-stroke engine like a skidoo type engine and yeah we flew around scotland in it for uh, 10 years flew down to england a few times wow you haven't got the plane still no no we uh 
Eventually, we traded up to a four-seater. I had a bigger one for a while, but that, that wasn't really sustainable, uh, not on uh, education salary. So, uh, so, yeah, we gave it up eventually. What did you lecture in? Uh, I was uh, doing IT. I was in support oh. services, actually, looking after all the, all the Apple Macs and the, the sort of creative side in the art college. Uh, and my 18-year-old daughter's just started in art college uh, this week, so uh, first lecture on Monday. So a bit of continuity, even though I've retired now. And how long have you been a cyclist? Um, road cycling, seriously, only for about six or seven years, really. Not all that long, so it was great to, to discover a new sport and a new, uh, a new um, obsession at this age. Uh, so really loving it. You were saying as we were riding along from Bridge of Earn that you've just been out in the Alps riding around. Yeah, I went uh, and did a Route de Grande Alp trip from um, Tonnel Le Band to Menton and uh, just fantastic sort of 100, 120 kilometre days of nine or 10,000 feet of climbing. Um, I went over Col, Col de Lisseran, the highest pass, um, uh, Col de Galibier, um, Col de Zouard, and then on the sixth day I ran out of talent and came off the road descending Col de Champ and uh, smacked my hip pretty badly. So uh, I can cycle at the moment, but walking is a bit challenging. Well, you're doing well, back on the bike within a week. Yeah, I was really lucky not to break anything, to be honest, which, uh, which wouldn't have been a good look at my age. And you're a, a regular cycling podcast listener. You must be to be aware of the looking out for the dot of Simon and I cycling across Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. Been, uh, been following the, the cycling podcast ever since I started road cycling, seriously, really, and a uh, friend of the podcast as well. Lovely. Well, it's very nice of you to come out and say hello. And what is, I mean, this is, a, this is a great day. A few people said September's a lovely month to visit Scotland. Doubted that a little bit yesterday morning when the rain was lashing down in Edinburgh. But since then, it's been just improved all the time. And, uh, well, you're going to take us for an artisan coffee. Simon's hankering for a coffee already. A uh, little cafe in the centre of Perth. I've forgotten the name of it now. What, what was it called? Yeah, I've got just the spot, Manifesto. Um just basically artisan coffee and uh, fantastic homemade cookies as well. Oh, sounds perfect. Well, we'll let Simon do his photographs of McDermott Park here. I think this is one of the first, if not the first, one of the very early examples of a club that relocated to an out-of-town, purpose-built location. It's a bit of a model football stadium itself in the sense that it looks like it arrived on a lorry and then got assembled on site. Um, kind of functional I would describe it as really four very similar looking stands and uh, St Johnston are kind of uh, I think last year they survived in the Premier Division by the skin of their teeth actually they had to win a playoff to to stay up Um, but there's a club it's a club that I've got a sort of link to because uh, one of my favourite Watford players John McClelland was the manager here for a while in the 1990s um, so there we are. Anyway, it's nearly coffee o'clock, so we'll get back on the road and head into the centre of Perth, and then it's off to Dundee. What will the route be like then between Perth and Dundee? Because we're taking that road that kind of runs parallel to the Tay, so I'm yeah. hoping we'll be quite scenic. Yeah, it's a good little climb out of Perth, so a bit of a stiff climb to start with, but then, um, yeah, wibbling along, crossing over them at the, uh, the motorway and down onto the Castle of Gowrie, which is then pan flat, all the way past Errol and uh, past the old... Uh, they used to extract clay there and there was an old, an old brickworks. 
the kilns still survive and uh, and then yeah pan flat all the way to Dundee nice easy run hopefully with a tailwind oh I hope so yeah um, you said you worked in Dundee for a while what can we expect in Dundee what's Dundee known for I mean I, I suggested yesterday to somebody Dundee cake but that was kind of poo-pooed slightly yeah it, it still exists you you'll find Dundee cake in the middle but it's quite um quite a vibrant little city um the new new branch of the Victorian Albert Museum's just moved into Dundee it's quite a lot of building development they're remodeling the whole riverfront so it's it's quite a buzzy uh, obviously it's got the university the art college it's part of the university quite a buzzy little city um probably a little bit more dynamic than Perth at the moment I would say and I'm going to guess you, you've been to neither Dennis Park nor Tannadice Park either. No, I didn't even know that they were the names of the football grounds. <laughs> I have travelled many places all over God's green earth But there's nowhere quite as special as the cradle of my birth There's a wild and a windswept welcome raging in from the North Sea The city on the silvery tay, the city of Dundee When I'm sitting in the city square and singing is my job or chanting doing the Murray Gate just to earn a couple of bob I love to slag the passers-by and try to make them laugh and the ones that have the least to give will always give you half Glasgow's too divided Edinburgh's off he dry Dundee stands above the rest and here's the reason why When the winter winds are howling, you need shelter for the storm Dundee folk are generous and Dundee folk are warm I was doing St Johnston a disservice here. They did indeed need a playoff to avoid relegation last season, but I did forget to mention that in 2021 they won both of Scotland's Premier Cup competitions. No mean feat when Celtic and Rangers win so many of the honours. I've just realised, Simon, I'm wearing Dundee United's colours today, which is a bit of a faux pas. I, I wanted to stay football club neutral. Did you? Yeah. I, don't know. I, don't know. I thought you might have a secret affinity with Dundee. I have got a secret affinity with Dundee, so it makes the faux pas even less understandable. <laughs> that um, is very Dundee as well. You've got a, a lovely map, orange, what was it, tangerine even? Tangerine is Dundee yeah. United. Tangerine jersey with the, the map gilet on top, black. Very Dundee. But I've got, ah. I've got dark blue bib tights on. Do you think I can get away with that? <laughs> Dundee, big well, you're hedging your bets. I'm hedging my bets. I'm not sure that's how it works with uh, football rivalries, though. <laughs> we're straying into the territory of the half-and-half half scarf now, aren't we? Where football fans go to a big match and they get a scarf which is half, say, Liverpool and half Chelsea. And uh, bona fide football fans look down their noses a bit at that kind of thing, don't they? I've done the half-and-half half cycling kit for Dundee. Maybe I need to change into something completely neutral. This was an accident, was it? Complete accident. I wasn't thinking straight this morning. I just thought... I, I picked the jersey based on the weight. It's kind of a nice medium weight thickness. It's keeping me nice and snug because glorious sunshine, this. This is perfect riding conditions, isn't it? But there is a chill in the air. Slight chill, but, I mean, look at this. That road up there... There's a, there's a bike packer just on his way up there. He's just had a little stop off. The road looks like a piece of ribbon strung out over the countryside. 
done it. He does. He's doing proper hardcore bike packing, isn't he? He's got luggage and everything. I don't think he's in in, in our new made up soft backpacking club. He's got everything he possibly needs on his bike there. We're doing pro professional soft bike packing. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> Let's uh, soft pedal our way to Perth. It says six miles here on the cycle route. Well, we're hoping for a part of soft bike packing as you get like an artisan coffee at, uh, <laughs> every 25 kilometers or so. <laughs> and that's what we're hoping for in Perth. That's Seb Piquet, the voice of Radio Tour, to remind me to tell you that the Tour de Cost series is sponsored by the Hammerhead Carew 2 Cycle Computer. Now, during the second part of the tour, we had our dot switched on so that listeners could follow our progress in real time. And the Carew 2 has that function too, because with a SIM card, you can broadcast your location to as many or as few people as you want, either so that people can follow an exciting adventure in real time, or just so loved ones can keep a track on your progress as you ride. If you'd like to buy a Karoo 2 cycle computer for a limited time, our listeners can get a free heart rate monitor with every purchase. Go to hammerhead.io, add the heart rate monitor and the Karoo 2 to the shopping cart and use the promo code CYCLE. Science in sport, not just the fuel of athletes, but the fuel of champions. From Filippo Ganna to Ethan Hayter, and now Lionel Burney and Simon Gill. The 2022 Tour de Cost champions, admittedly champions by default. Their ride is fueled by science in sport. Their bottles filled to the brim with beta fuel. Their cafe breaks boosted by energy bakes. Get 25% off at scienceinsport.com with the code SISCP25. That seemed quite perverse in a way because I was looking back the other day at This is Alan Patullo again, the sports writer for The Scotsman. Alan is a lifelong Dundee fan and has an aversion to anything tangerine. The first game of the 83-84 season, which was uh, the the season directly after Dundee United had just won the league for the first and only time in their history in 82-83. So I think in response to that, I thought, no, no, I think Dundee... FC need my support more than Dundee United, so I think I'll go and watch my football there. And here we are, <laughs> many, many years later. And obviously, Dundee United went on to enjoy their greatest era of success in the 80s. Meanwhile, I was, I was supporting the, the team from the other side of the road, and who uh, we weren't experience, experiencing quite as much success. United, obviously, going on to be one of the, the better teams in Europe at the time. And, Dundee were, were struggling very much to hold on to their shirt tails, but and that 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 was a particularly hard cross to bear for older Dundee fans who who could remember Dundee being the the, the top team in the city as as they were for well for for the the, the, the whole of that previous century, um, winning the league in '62 and reaching the European Cup semi-finals in '63 with players like Alan Gozine and, and Ian Ewer that went on to enjoy great careers in England, so. I think I was drawn to that that history. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a football romantic, and I just love that kind of history. And Ben's Park itself, funnily enough, you know, we, I, I've often said that sometimes it feels like I'm a fan of Den's Park rather than Dundee FC as such, because all my memories and all my, or most of my affection for the club is wrapped up in this wonderful stadium that's, which I enjoy going to watch football at so much. And for all my first memories of watching football are wrapped up with the smell of 
tobacco and you know those those first memories you always have as, as a kid watching football that don't necessarily involve the actual football and um, this wonderful old stand which uh, was designed by uh, Archibald Leach one of the last remaining stands by that great football architect uh, which I, I, I'm sure you'll be I'm sure if you ask nicely you'll even get a tour of it it's approaching its centenary it was built in 1921 so its centenary is coming up in September of this lovely stand and it Sadly, just now it, it sits potentially condemned because Dundee have been talking about moving to a new stadium, um, out of town stadium, which which is going to be interesting for me because I I fear and I hope it doesn't happen, but I fear part of my love for the club might disappear slightly if if we do leave Dens Park and and I you know I really do dread that moment. I think they are the, the closest neighbours and and certainly European football, and um, yeah, it's something I don't think the Dundee Council make enough of, actually. I really think it's something we need to boast about more. In, in my view, there should be a visitor centre built on on um, Tannadice Street, or Sandman, Sandman Street, as it goes into where, where Dens Park cited. Um, just, just to, just to um, revel in this, in, this, in this quirky fact of these two football clubs. I mean, it's all very well having the, the, the new V&A Museum down in the, the Tay, and that's, that's great, but you know, let's 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 shout about this wonderful idiosyncrasy of having two football, two you know fairly moderately sized football clubs, football grounds. One capacity just now is I think twelve thousand at Dens Park. Canada is slightly bigger, at thirteen or fourteen thousand, and literally a, a goal kick away from each other. Um, there's always myth that somebody has done that. Hamish McAlpine kicked one a football into well, from one ground into the other. I'm not sure that's true, but um, certainly, you know, you, you know, you do think oh, it, it, it possibly could be poss- possible to do that. And these, these wonderful little tales of, of derbies um, back in the old days when, when, when Dundee, as I, as I mentioned before, Dundee were, were regarded as a senior team in the city, the biggest, most successful club. When they, ever, when it, when they played Dundee United in a derby, the Dundee players would get changed in their own home dressing room at Dens Park because it was it was plusher, more well appointed than the ones at Tannadice. So they would get changed at their own ground and walk across the street to the game. So I mean these kind of wonderful images of these still exist of of of, of players walking across the street with their boots under their arm. And um, I just think Dundee should make more of it. And I remember my friend uh, and journalist Patrick Barclay telling me when he was in Brazil for the World Cup in 2004 on the beach at Copacabana talking to, to Neil Lennon. He, tell, he tells a story and he was over there as a pundit and they were just talking away and this little Brazilian boy comes up and starts talking to him about football and, <laughs> and Paddy says, he mentions that he was a Dundee fan and, and the little boy said, ah, oh, yes, yes, yes two, two, two grounds, two football grounds, same streets, <laughs> something. I thought, my goodness, you know, if, if you know, it, it is known, it is, it is quite a, one of these quirky facts. People grew up learning about these little football fans all across the world, about Dundee and Dundee United. Do you, do you know why the two clubs play across the street from each other and, and have never, you know, ground shared. I mean, is that just now, is that something that's unimaginable? You look at pictures now, there's some wonderful pictures of Dens Park from the 1920s, uh, early, in, early in the last century. And you see behind the main stand and behind the, 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 the terracing, just fields, lovely, you know, trees and fields, rolling fields. And you realise that back when they were, when that was built, 
it probably was the kind of outs outskirts of the city and um, it probably was the, the, the sensible place to build a football ground. Now, of course, in the last 120, 130 years that um, it's been built upon and, and the city has stretched out and expanded. And so it, it does seem a bit more curious how do these football, two football grounds, you know, why were they built so close to, to each other? But I think back in the day, when a football club is thinking, right, where are we going to play our football matches? Oh, yes, over there where there's a lot of green land. Let's build a stadium there. You know, there has been some appetite. I don't know if you remember Scotland were bidding to host the European Championships, I think, in was it 2008. And that was, and I think discussions went as far as they ever have back then to, to, to build a new stadium down on Riverside Drive, which is down by the, the River Tay, which would be a beautiful location with the Tay in the background and the, 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 the Tay Bridge as well there. And, but just, it, it, I think that the, obviously the, the, that, that bid failed, the finances weren't there and uh, that, that, that plan seemed to die a death. And, and here we are, the two football grounds existing still side by side. And um, yeah, I just think fans, would fans accept it? I don't think they would. I don't think they would. They've become so used to having these two grounds and going to watch football at their, at their own park that you know the fact the fact Milan Inter Milan and AC Milan share doesn't really you know Dundee fans and Dundee United fans don't still don't think that, that it would be it would be sensible. They still feel that they're they should be their own in their own grounds and uh, you know one with tangerine seats, one with dark blue seats, and never the twain shall meet. So far, Lionel, my affections are leaning towards United, but that is based purely on the allotment that we're stood next to now, behind one of the, the ends of the ground. And as you'll know, and almost no one else will know, um, Watford, our club, had an allotment out the back of their uh, stadium for many, many years. And it was, it was part of Vicarage Road and growing up and there being a, an allotment there and this is a this is a great looking allotment a very fine allotment yeah lots lots growing in there isn't there flowers yeah. vegetables and some greenhouses and uh well dundee united stand there and a statue which i'm going to guess is going to be jim mclean the manager who was in charge when they won the league in 1982-83 a big question, if you grew up in Dundee, would you have leant towards Dundee United or how would you have picked which team to support? It's, I guess it's the family, isn't it? But if you decided, if you're like me and your parents didn't like football particularly... you get bullied into it by your next door but one neighbour. <laughs> Lionel McBurney. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd have bullied you into going to, to Dundee because... The age we are, Dundee United, when we first started getting into football, were too good. They were too well. Good. They were yeah. becoming a bit of a European power, weren't they? They reached the semi-finals of the European Cup. They lost to Roma. They won the league. They then reached the UEFA Cup final and lost to Gothenburg. I mean, incredible success. Alan Patullo would remind us that Dundee won the league in the early 60s and also reached the semi-final with the European Cup uh, but I found out when I came up to Dundee for a match a few weeks ago Dundee fans still wear Roma hoodies or t-shirts no I 
mean, as an homage to the team that knocked Dundee United out of the European Cup. <laughs> that's so football fans. That is, that's the sort of pettiness I can get with. Yeah. Really, I can really get on board with that. You know, loving the team that vanquished your big rivals, um, and and just sort of carrying that that pettiness on for forty years. Brilliant. <laughs> It's brilliant. But it is something, isn't it? Growing up as a kid and buying all the football magazines and the books, that you'd always, every kind of year, there'd be a poster of the aerial view of the two grounds right next to each other in the same street. Football supporters in Nottingham will know that Nottingham Forest and Notts County are both very close to one another, but nothing like this. I mean, they are, they are on opposite sides of the street. My friend that I work with at When Saturday Comes magazine, Colin McPherson, has got an amazing shot um, taken from the flats that we saw, well, the remains of what the flats used to be, just down the road there, and he must have gone up there during, on, a, on a match day, one of them was playing, gone up there and you get an incredible view um, of both the, both the stadiums, and it's just, they're so close. And those two towers, they're just a skeleton now, aren't they? Just the yeah. steel framework left. But one is blue and one is orange, I believe. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, this is more or less the end of our ride today. It's done been well, beautiful. Oh, done very the, well. the scenery was lovely. It was gentle cross-tail wind, wasn't it? Not as much of a wind as we could have benefited from. But lovely flat ride coming in adjacent to the Tay and then basically getting a great view of the river before kind of climbing up into the, the well this is kind of the, the back streets of Dundee really away from the city centre our hotel is right down by the V&A on the waterfront um, and we'll roll down the hill there when we finished here but uh, nice to be joined by a couple of dot watchers again I enjoyed that. We had Peter, didn't we? And then we had Alan, who originally from Canada, but uh, he joined us for quite a few kilometres, took us out and up over a climb out of Perth, negotiated our way down quite a steep descent, and then uh, he peeled off and turned back to go to back towards Perth and, and left us to go on our way. But yeah, lovely Not to be joined. the chap that was um, just by the railway crossing that was filming us and saying hi and good luck as we yeah that was amazing wasn't it that was amazing somebody's come out onto the roadside i'm assuming very local he hasn't traveled any distance to go and come and watch us surely i'd hope not (laughs) if he has uh thank you very much whoever you are i'll scour social media and see if we can find uh who it was and see if he posted his video of us we were in good spirits at that point as well we went arguing or it wasn't raining so he picked a good good moment we haven't argued did we argue on the last bit I um, might is what I mean what's this silence saying I don't know <laughs> I don't think we do arguing we just do sort of slight grumps that's the way to do mm, it so just, just a sort of moody silence <laughs> is the is the uh, the yeah we just brought up to do the moody silence. <laughs> you think? I don't know. Yeah. We both do it. Yeah, I'm quite good at it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't do the confrontation. 
can you I mean my wife does and then it's done it's completely forgotten about I'd just like to remind you this is on the record this potentially could be broadcast <laughs> your wife she might would know. listen she, she'd admit she thinks that's the best way and that's all her family they I mean, I'm cowering in the corner while they're all shouting at each other, but then five minutes later they're all cuddling and laughing and clinking glasses and stuff. Whereas I'd do the, you know, the sort of Dundee approach and sort of hold a grudge for 35 years. <laughs> and then when asked if anything's wrong, just, no, nothing. No, no, everything's fine, but I don't want any dinner. I'm going upstairs. <laughs> well, let's hope we don't get to that point. We've got a nice relaxing afternoon in Dundee before the football stage tomorrow but let's have a good look round Tannadice Park and Dens Park I, th- I think it's appropriate that if I've picked Dundee you should pick Dundee United well I'll, I'll decide once I've done a lap I'll decide and it often depends on it, kind of who you meet if you meet a grump- grumpy member of ground staff or something I can turn pretty quickly on an entire club. <laughs> you can do the moody silence. I mean, they won't either notice and you won't see them again, but the moody silence will definitely be obvious. That's stage 11 of the Tour de Cosse, recorded by me, Lionel Burney, and Simon Gill. The series was produced by Tom Wally. A big thank you to John Hurd of Wild Cycles for picking up the reins and driving our broom wagon for us. Join us next time as we head into Angus. Scottish League Premier Division, Aberdeen 2, Kilmarnock 0. Celtic 5, Morton 1. Dundee United against Motherwell, evening kickoff at 7.30. Ibernian 0, Rangers 0. St Mirren 0, Dundee 0. The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freeb and Lionel Burney.